Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Cricket with an Accent. Uh, sorry, this podcast was supposed to be weekly, but this has become monthly. I'm focusing more on the quality of uh, preparation for my, you know, knowledgeable guest. And today we have a real badass, as as they say, uh, uh, this is a steal from other podcasts, badass guest. And I won't even try to introduce, no attempt to embarrass my guests. It's the one and only iconic uh, cricket writer, sports writer, Sharda Ogra. Welcome to the show, Sharda. It's an absolute joy to be speaking with you on this platform. Hi, Sakib. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be called a badass. <laughs> yeah, I think Sid, we did that. I'm taking this liberty because he was also on the podcast. So probably only friends can do that. But I, uh, <laughs> but I, I'll definitely say something, you know, like uh, this is not an exercise to embarrass uh, someone, you know, like you with accolades. But a uh, lot has been said uh, during uh, the second wave of the pandemic when uh, all he- hell was being uh, wrecked in India and IPL was still going on. One of my good friends, in a WhatsApp group called you the moral compass of all things Indian sports. So let's start the conversation there. You do write about stuff, and I'm sure others are too. Uh, pardon my ignorance if you're listening to this, but you kind of have become the face of writing, uh, you know, what actual reporting should have been, but it's more like, okay, it's uncomfortable truth, and you, it's not even an ex- expose, but you just keep writing about it. And even the likes of uh, Amit Verma, Prem Panikar, Sid V, you're not on Twitter when you write something they bring it to people's attention and, you know, it's, it's just become like your brand name in a way. I know you didn't create all this, but this is the time in, uh, this is the times we live in, you know, you're doing this reporting and you kind of do feel, I mean, I do feel like, you know, you are in league of your own, maybe a few others are doing the same. So just unpack, uh, you know, uh, this style of reporting, maybe that's the only style there should have been, but the floor is yours. I mean. Sakib, that's uh, sort of enormous things that you've said. Uh, and and I, it's not even like a style thing that you're seeing. And firstly, uh, Amit Prem Panikar, Sid, I literally, uh, other than Amit, just ask Prem Panikar and, and, and Sid how many times I send them my piece. I said, please, yeah, publicize karo. You know, I'll send them my stuff. And then they go out and they send it out to the world. They're very, very generous and very kind. Um, but uh, I don't even think of it as a style. I just think of it as something that has to be written because it is in your face. It's being avoided. Because it's too uncomfortable to write because editors of papers are not willing to print this kind of stuff because of all the other issues that are there. There are some fine, fine young reporters here uh, who are there sort of challenging these kind of ridiculous notions, but you won't find them in the mainstream uh, publication getting the kind of uh, uh, press and notice that they should. uh, For whatever the reasons are, I just consider myself fortunate that I've got a platform to write wherever I can. And now that I'm not employed by anybody, I'm like, I said, no, Azad Parindan, Pagal Kutta. So I can just write when it comes out. I just have to say it. I have to just bring it out there. Maybe it is the way as a sports journalist, uh, you kind of grow up. You start by being a fan. And then as you go on, you realize, as I've said elsewhere also, that you are not a fan of stars. You're a fan of the sport. And when things that are wrong about it or a bit odd and skewed you kind of bring it up because it's too obvious to to not to not write about it um i remember reading uh, what uh, uh, the great uh, uh, writer uh, robert lipside wrote in the accidental sports writer uh, uh, he called all the all the reporters uh, golf reporters that were there he called them something like uh, what a bunch of uh, pet animals or something like that. he just he just used a completely withering phrase for uh, to describe uh, the the journalists that were there when the whole tiger woods scandal happened and 
um, I'll, I'll, I'll get you that phrase and I'll tell you what it is. But yeah, it's, that is what you, it's like you can't not write about it because it's too damn obvious and it, 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 it annoys you. It's the same thing. It annoys you. It inspires you. It irritates you and you just have to put it out there. And I'm lucky that there are platforms to, uh, uh, you know, that where, where, where my stuff is published. So again, you know, there's a couple of ways I can take this forward. One is uh, let's stick on the fan part because, you know, you, passion is something we all crave in our jobs. And if you don't have it, I think it can be, you know, pretty mediocre resistance, if not miserable. We all have day jobs. And, yeah. and, and that's the reality, right? When you come from, you know, a country like India, you know, uh, the basic point was drilled home in three idiots, love what you do, right? It was pretty obvious, but, you know, it became such a yeah. big hit, but uh, yeah. that's a digression. Yeah. But you said passion and responsibility, right? Once you are a fan, you love covering this, but then comes that accountability towards the viewership or the listenership or the readership. And then you want to highlight, you know, at least show the real face of what's going on. And I think that's where uh, I'll quote uh, a, a line from a news channel, CNN, when I came to US, I think Christian uh, Amanpour, I think she said, mm-hmm. you know, objectivity goes out the window if you're covering the war and you're traveling with the troops. That stayed with really? me for the longest time. I'm not a well-read yeah. man, yeah. but I've quoted that like, you know, at least 10 times in the last 20 years. So yeah. I think that's what's happening. And uh, as a uh, as a us versus them mentality and, you know, whatever's going on, when someone is being objective, you know, then people sometimes get uncomfortable. But there's a big, I think, fandom for what you write. People really appreciate. You don't get even uh, some of the wrath that some of the other opinion writers in today's uh, Indian cricket, you know, we'll focus on cricket. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's very important. And uh, you, I mean, but, but you do make a balance. I mean, Sharda, I mean, I'm not because you are here. Uh, your pieces are just like, you know, pretty much uh, worshipped and, you know, like patted on the back because they're good pieces. But some others fail because if they write something, people are saying, oh, this is getting personal or this is a champagne sipping liberal who's not in touch with reality. So what do you, are you aware of the overall scene when, you know, these kind of pieces are written, especially towards, uh, which is not singing praises to BCC and Indian cricket. Yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, uh, I'll just uh, get to this, which I must, because now I found the Robert Lipside phrase that I was looking for. Uh, So he calls uh, sports journalists uh, Lodge Brothers. He's referring, of course, to the, 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 and who got up the jocks, right? And the other one is, uh, he said, uh, so you're talking about Tiger Woods, etc, etc. Most golf writers tend to be quiet at first, soaking in their shame, I'd like to think. What a crew of house pets. Now, you know, you don't want to be a house pet. Yeah, so that's the that's the that's the thing that after thirty years in the business, you don't want to be seen as a house pet. Okay, so moving on to what your question uh, is that I do know that uh, when I joined Crick Info in 2010, um, it, it was the first time I was working for a website, and instantly you got a response. You know, you got response because you had comments. Now there are no comments, but you had comments, so you knew. So you knew that the moment you said something uncomfortable about anything around Indian cricket, you were attacked. You know, you are said, oh, this is cricket info. They're doing the same thing. You don't like, you don't say this thing. You hate so-and-so, you hate. So it became, it became like that. And um, I, I, the reason, like I say, I'm not on social media. So I'm not picking gully for free. I'm doing my job. My job is to write. My job is to write what I think is a version of facts that are there, that I've found and I put it out there. And um, facts and opinion, of course, uh, uh, in, in, in most cases. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, so, but I can't be, I can't be godding up the jocks anymore. <laughs> you know, so we had got them up a long time. So you don't want to be doing that. Um, uh, but, and you don't want to be a house pet. So I know that there is this ugly world there where you have to be 
uh, cheering for uh, BCCI as in BCCI versus ICC. It's like, oh, this is the anti-colonial establishment and all that nonsense. Like the post-colonial hangover is should be long over. We India runs world cricket in the sense they kind of throw their weight around and so on. And those are facts, and you have to accept it and you have to challenge it and question it. Would you not question if that was happening if the English cricket board was doing it or if Cricket Australia were doing it? Would you not question it? Of course, you'd question it if you're a cricket journalist or a reporter and you're writing it. It, it happens to be the Indian, so well, tough luck. You just do it. Um, so that. That's generally been my my kind of uh, and the us versus them phenomena. I think that has come in particularly. Um, you know, I don't know whether there's a generation of listeners. You'll definitely know this, Ake, because you 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 are sort of uh, uh, you remember that a time when we were not uh, the great uh, uh, as Amit Verma calls it the great gorilla. We weren't the great great gorilla in in, in the room of uh, uh, cricket um, when India was. Uh, so you wanted you sought uh, or you expressed pride in your country's cricket and its heroes and everything was not about um, you know double decker buses and cakes and test match special you wanted to tell the stories of your team and your players and they were your team and the indian team is your team and you want them to do well you want them to win now that you are on the side where they are the great gorilla you have to then call them out the way you would call out everybody else for behaving wrongly or whatever it is so i don't think that should change uh, because of there is an us versus them i think fandom has changed in india in front of my very eyes uh, growing up um, i think the 96 world cup i keep saying it was marked that period of change where it became jingoistic and you know uh, uh, and now we are in the merat bharat mahan phase and uh, we are kind of uh, it's almost like you have to battle that because you see it on television you hear it in commentary it is just this one deafening soundtrack and you have to be able to say uh, my friend clayton muzero had a great line when he heard when you know people used to get crazy about uh, how badly the indian team played and, and like just slamming them like that there was that phase as well the match ke mujrim phase and clayton used to say bhai the other team has also come to play no they have not just come to do time pass they have come to play that's why your team is being challenged by them and so on don't take it out on your team because that other team has come to play they all they've also got good players so it's that kind of balance that you're looking for and it's difficult to get and then the ipl has magnified it even more you know so it's literally like you're swimming against the tide in that sense um it's it, you could float Uh, you could kind of go along but it's it, it, it's not in your nature to do it so you will not do it it's it's like that you like i keep saying you don't want to be a house pet no i think uh, that's uh, that's quite actually you know that's the reality and you're right i mean and i'm not even going to bash because i don't, i'm not in the industry i don't understand you know what's at stake for some of the people who yes. probably want to write this but you know Uh, exactly. everyone has a reason you know so it's just very easy for me as a hobbyist you know to do this so i'm i won't get there but i do remember this right and the, what you just said it makes me remember the sharjah days when pakistan was yes. in the 80s along with west indies the best team their board yeah. never had the clout like the ecb or australian cricket or bcci but in the commentary yes. in sharjah iftikhar and some of those guys they yeah. were very partisan i mean it was not enjoyable what how they treated other teams especially india and you know yes. so what was wrong then shouldn't be wrong or shouldn't be right today you know just because someone else did it that's my only uh, that's one of my major issues when i 
see the whole uh, you know editorial freedom gone like with manjrekar is speaking something or bhogle is speaking something you know let them be people can make mistakes yeah. even if someone calls someone bits and pieces fine he apologize it's not the end of it you rather want someone to make a mistake and we all learn from it then everybody singing you know like from a template and just going going in a way like you know we all are echoes of each other well you're right you know and bits and pieces player was like it's the same thing like in dibbly dobbly or it's a generic sort of phrase no one is it's not as blot on your character or on your uh, mardangi or whatever the else it has been interpreted as i mean it is so ridiculous that they you have to punish the commentator saying this in in whichever way you want to it is absurd that they should have been allowed Uh, to to reach that far um you know the whole thing should be just, just take, like you have to don't take yourself that seriously like chill you know basically <laughs> so no. uh, please you know, it, it's um i mean there was a point asakib i don't know whether you because you've been in the us for so long i don't know whether you remember this there was a point where the selectors were hammering players on television the selectors were coming on these programs and they have and apparently the cricketers i i, I may have said this somewhere else they were sitting around and say oy kitty ko gussa aa gaya no they would be laughing You yeah. know that was like their thing because Kirti Azad would be going after them or something, and it was fine. It just felt a bit odd because you know, hello, you have been a selector. What are you doing? But um, it was okay to be to be called out for uh, maybe a performance that called out okay a bit bizarrely or uh, strangely that oh, ये तो अपमान हुआ भारत का type and all that. It was a bit. It was the other end of madness. But there's something in the middle, and you have to find that middle. But we've gone the other way. We are now into bhakti. You know, it's that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. and and you know like fans can at least in some way do that because you know i'm not going to you know no one's going to tell how to be a fan right that's fine if you know if you are in the yeah. bubble you live in that life and that's your escape like yeah, you exactly. want to root for it. Exactly. it's okay but i think it should just not bleed into uh, you know the coverage of the sport and i think we are both in solid agreement here so and then don't take out on anybody don't take it out as you know like uh, like you are being a, a, a it's a treason if you cricket criticize the player from your team because he's dropped a catch or something like that you know sure so, so i think uh, no go ahead please yeah yeah that's what i was saying no i think so the agenda is slightly i think deviated because we 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 are on to something here so <laughs> there is definite innocence lost i mean you know and that happens in every sport i'm sure in tennis as it changes like even the jordan documentary that came out i don't know how yeah. much close you are to the nba yeah. and, uh, yeah. and there is also scary, this yeah, yeah no, <laughs> it's very interesting yeah i mean jordan would have loved sanjay manjrekar for saying that because he always needed motivation he created stuff that people didn't say so he can go and fire 50 over the next so if manjrekar right. said that jordan would have thanked him hey you know like <laughs> you gave me the ammo but yeah, uh, let's yeah. stick to innocence loss and i just want you to combine you know sharda the fan and sharda the cricket reporter over the years if we take 80s all the way to what you know cricketers are right now as brand value and you know sport is brand federer is a brand kohli is a brand right lebron yeah. is a brand so yeah. what has uh, how do you tie this into the fanhood i know you spoke on the manthan sports talk about fandom and fanhood so my question is how do you tie that into how we consuming like uh, gavaskar is my favorite azruddin is my favorite today kohli is my favorite but you know the access to kohli is his own own terms yes. indian cricketers are not reachable same probably as messi and so many others so i'm trying to like throw a lot at you but uh, how do you uh, tie like you know being a fav- uh, the, the journey basically of a fan compared mm-hmm. to what a sports person has become today in a brand mm-hmm. what has lost there that doesn't meet the naked eye I mean, my my sort of interpretation of of being a fan. I was always a cricket fan to start with, starting point, you know. And then I sort of loved all sports, and you wanted Indians to win. So we grew up in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. Nineties, 
uh, where uh, in the 70s and the 80s, Indians didn't win much on the big scale stage. So we knew who our heroes were and we were cheering for them and P.T. Usha and whoever. And uh, then you sort of, you become a reporter yourself, you you mingle with players, you, you meet them, a little bit of that stardust kind of uh, wears off. Um, and, but I am still a fan. Because what happens is that sometimes you think, oh God, I've become too jaded and too cynical because you're watching something on... I remember when uh, when uh, cable television still first started in India and they had all these promos for series and they became like this, you know, like war and all these lightning flashes and it looked like this, like a trailer of a movie and I thought, Are, this is too good. It is fantastic. This would have been 90, early 90s. And now I look at it and I just laugh. And that, a lot of it is growing up. A lot of it is uh, seeing that like, don't, like, don't get so hysterical. Don't go over the top. Water. It's just a series. It's just, it's just a match. Nobody died. Like, like Becker said, nobody will die. Hopefully. So, um, you know, so, so uh, that, that is the thing. That's the change that's happened, but it is the sport still excites you. The sport still gets you jumping out of your sofa and shouting. Not a lot. Uh, because you see a lot of uh, IPLs happening every day. So there are those kind of moments all the time. But when you do, you, it's, it still reminds you that you are 53 years old and you're still a fan. You can still go slightly bananas, you know. And I think one example that I want to give of the fandom, of what fandom is to me, is that I'm a massive fan of the All Blacks the New Zealand's rugby team. Now this started in 1995 when they played in, when I watched the first, I watched my first rugby match, it was New Zealand versus England. And I saw them play and they were fabulous. And I have been a fan since then. Not in this insane sort of a way. I feel bad when they lose, but not hugely. But the point is, I'm not a fan of every of every star. So Jonah Lomu was the first star you saw and you thought, wow. And now you just sort of, uh, you what you do is you appreciate the, the team that they try to be or the, the team that they are. And when they go wrong, you can see when things are going wrong. I, I learned about, I learned a new rule about rugby every World Cup. Every four years, I say, oh, this is why this happens, you know, and it's literally like a very basic. And so my starting fandom was when I was in my mid twenties and then you watch it and, and it's, it grows slowly and you know that the All Blacks have been turned into this brand and there just is too much of this that is going on around them and so on. But what you need to do is to strip away all the brandedness and just watch them on the field. I mean, at some point you have to. Uh, shut out the surround sound of branding and the brand that there is and even maybe shut out some of the crazy stories that you hear about uh, athletes or not the really offensive ones but the other sort of slightly silly one got drunk fell down did something else as long as you're not beating anybody up and and just watch them play and which happens a lot when you watch a lot of if you watch a lot of um, European football, for example, which I don't, but I love to watch it, Italy play as a national team and whatever it is. And uh, so I think you have to kind of uh, detach yourself from the brand and just watch the athlete in action for your fandom to stay, not pure in the sense, but to just stay uh, intact. And um, I, I mean, when it comes to cricketers or players or whatever it is, in cricket, you, I'll always... Um, I always like the sort of the VVS Lakshman style player, you know, the stylist, the person that doesn't make all, doesn't make those 20,000 runs or whatever, but just fun to watch and can make things happen and things like that. And you just have to try and separate it. So when like, 
when Rishabh Pat comes to play in a test match, you want to know what's going to happen. That kind of, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the front row seats in a cinema hall type of player is, is, is what appeals to you as a sports fan or a cricket fan or whatever. So I don't know whether I'm making any sort of sense whether that's what your question was when it began, but that's how you respond to it. And, and an age of innocence, it's almost like you go through this um, like swimming pool of fandom when you're younger. And you come out of it and you're slightly, then your fandom is slightly purer after you've, you, you've all your stars have, read, all your, your favorites have retired and there's a new generation has come in. And then your, your, your fandom becomes slightly, uh, goes back to being fairly simple um, as it was when you were say 10 years or 15 years old before it got caught up in everything else. I don't know what kind of a sports fan I would have been had I been say 16 or 18 year old, years old in this kind of time in this world. Maybe I would have got caught up in all the social media and all the influencer, which I call influenza, uh, sort of things that are going on. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think that's that's the way my fandom in sport has gone, and it's it's gone many directions in many ways. Um, but I'm st- I mean I I I remember being completely blown away by the Indian victory uh, against Australia earlier this year. At the big, at the th- turnaround of the year, where you know, Team Z, Team B, Team C, P- Team D, whoever was playing it, they managed to pull that series through. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was India's greatest series. Yeah, test series. I think so too. I think that's one for the ages. I think. Uh, yeah, the- yeah, one ahead of everything else. <laughs> Just defeat everything. It beats everything. Absolutely. No, and um, I think what you said totally makes sense. And there's uh, you know more food for thought. Like we are fans and we're consuming. Uh, yeah. With a lot of emotion and a lot of fan wars, you're probably above it, unless you're from no, no. WhatsApp group. But you, because, no, you know, no. the, the ugliness <laughs> that comes out, how we defend Kohli, <laughs> like we know the man, or how yeah, someone yeah. remotely puts a stat about Sachin, and Kohli fans get mad, and vice versa. And that's and that's also <laughs> coming from a place of care, right? If there was no care, there yes. would be no attention. There would be no attention. Yes. There'll be no publicity. I get it. Yeah. So let's see how that has evolved for a player, right? You have met all these players. But uh, now, you know, with the social media and the scrutiny and the availability of stats, you do everything, you know, everything is covered. So my famous line is, I think on Twitter, Andy Roddick said, a tennis player to, I think one of the journalists, they were talking something Mm -hmm. and she threw something at him in a discussion. He said, look, that's unfair. You have the archives of my day-to-day lives, which is a press conference, you know, that was a bad day at the office. I don't have that advantage with you. So that just stayed with me because, you know, and that's public domain, right? If you're going to talk about something, people will hold Roddick or Djokovic or Federer accountable because everything they say is documented and same in cricket. So yes. from your lens, when you've seen the, you know, and I'll also plug in now the Shastri piece, the Shastri 1.0 is coming next. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of said, oh, this guy said this then and now he's saying this one. People have yeah. right to evolve. So how has that evolution affected the sports person according to you? They've made so much money. They're the brand. They make millions. But, uh, you know, you see them aging fast. What is the stuff that we don't get it when we even criticize these guys? Let's throw them a bone because just because they're millionaires, you know, let's not crucify them. So what has happened in the last 20 years that, say, didn't happen to the likes of Gavaskar or Imran when they were playing? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting when you say that they're aging fast. I don't think we realize how they how quickly they age. It's really, really, uh, it's a, I'll, I'll, I'll freely use this, uh, Sakib, in the future. Yeah, we the speed of their aging in public is is almost. Uh, if you look at it, it's almost tragic. You know, it's almost uh, uh, once they hit what we think is the peak, then there's no. You know, it's um, so. I think what the current generation of sportsmen definitely has at their advantage is control of the narrative that they are putting out to the world. So they have shut ourselves off from 
um, they have shut ourselves off from the kind of uh, uh, equation that existed when not my generation, generation before me had with their with their athletes. I mean, the Lipside story, the Lipside book, Accidental Sports Writer is brilliant because he's telling stories of Muhammad Ali. And at one point he said, I can't cover his matches anymore because I've become biased. And, I, and I'm typing like he's winning when he's losing, you know, that kind of thing. So, so that is a completely different generation. And this, a lot of the stuff that was hidden was hidden because they were your friends and you worked with. And similarly with um, the generation where I was, our, because our access was... Uh, uh, was much more uh, was much more uh, uh, available in that sense. It was it, it was there uh, and it still is there for a lot of for a lot of other sports outside, say cricket. It's still it's still very much a part of uh, a journalist's life. You know, you are chatting with athletes. You know what they do, particularly Olympic sports athletes. And uh, but with cricketers, what's happened is that now they can control the narrative because of social media. So therefore, their interpersonal relationship with something doesn't exist. Um, and for example. Uh, when uh, uh, Rohit Sharma played those uh, fantastic innings in England, um, what my my first thing was, I want to, you know, that, okay, you you get a superb technical analysis of how he changed his game and Manjrekar will tell you and you'll see it on TV and his, uh, his stance and um, how it had slightly changed his game and tightened up. But I want to know what happened. I will never know what is inside Rohit Sharma's head that made him want to be this test player. He's been playing international cricket for more than 10 years now. What made him at this point in time say, no, I'm going to be a different kind of a test. I'm going to be a test opener. And this is so you won't get that. You know, that is to their, to their, uh, to the advantage. They don't have to tell us. They are not obliged to say anything to us. Um, but I feel that, you know, you, for me, it's like, oh, we'll never know. And if he writes a book, is he going to even talk about this? You know, let's not get into writing books and all. But, um, and it was very interesting. I listened to that, uh, that little uh, talk between, uh, um, for the Racket magazine, uh, Rohit Brijnath sent it to me, a little clip about, uh, with had Nick Kyrgios, Mardi Fish, Billie Jean King and Naomi Osaka talking about it. And Naomi Osaka says, um, they are privileged to speak to us, the reporters. And I was saying, no, we are not privileged to speak to you. It is part of this part of the business. You yeah. please. And then Billie Jean King steps in and, and, and so on and so forth. So I think that that uh, uh, that kind of sharing uh, a same platform thing has gone because it's that's completely evaporated now. It's not there in cricket anymore. That the time you actually when it works again is when the IPL is on. Because IPL franchises are very happy to put their players out to talk to reporters, and it's a completely different dynamic at that time. I mean, there was one day. I'd gone to do an RCB thing um, and I I, uh, I interviewed Chris Gale, uh, Danny Vettori and Virat Kohli on the same day, one after the other, like 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And no chance of that happening in <laughs> this is long ago, but it was during the IPL. In, uh, so I went to Delhi and, and I came back and I told the office, they said, what? All at one way? I said, yeah, so-and-so is for 10 minutes, so-and-so 15, this is what we got, so we file the story, file the story, file the story. So you get that in the IPL because it's different, but now you have COVID. So everyone's happy to do online. So you're far away. There's no interpersonal conversation. Um, and if, if, if things are said that uh, our players get upset, I mean, players have called uh, us and got upset when they when you've written something about them in a particular way. And it's a difficult, and you have to tell them, listen, it's not personal, it's your game. But of course, it's personal. They take it personally. They took it personally. But right now, you because it, 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 they don't know you, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> you can write whatever you want. 
they can ignore it. It doesn't matter. They don't have to talk to you. You don't have to talk to them. So there's that kind of uh, uh, barrier that has come up. Sunil Gavaskar was very, very uh, protective of his privacy and he never gave interviews uh, to, to a lot of, to, uh, to journalists. It was very, very few. Uh, you, you never got quotes of him as well, which was completely to my distress. I was so triumphant when I got a quote of him after the 2003 World Cup final, which he lost. Um, so it was the, it was there as well, but it, that was that was an exception. That wasn't the rule, pretty much. So yeah, so it's changed in a way. I think in a way, it's freed up journalists as well. It's freed up players as well. But it's changed. It's changed a sort of dynamic of of getting to know an athlete um, over a course of time, rather than in a in a scripted sort of quick twenty five minute conversation that has been set up by the sponsor because they are advertising some new sunglasses or you know some new. Uh, energy drink or whatever it is, then you've got the time and you do it in and out and you're done. So that that thing has changed. Uh, whether it uh, reflects in our writing, I don't know if you're able to see the player on video talking a lot and um, speaking. They may speak much better to television report, television interviewers, for example. Uh, Kohli's spoken, I think, to Mike, Mark Nicholas and a couple of other people. Uh, he's given Dinesh Karthik. Yeah, Michael Atherton, Dinesh Karthik. Yeah, you know, so there's that as well. So that's that, that's another side, and 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 too bad we didn't play test cricket, so we don't get interviews with him. But that's just the way it is. You think it's also you know, a lot of food for thought on what you responded here. So you, th- you think in somewhere when the game, of course, match fixing was there. That's a big one that changed how cricketers interact. But cricket, you know, monetized and you know became so popular, so big. Yeah. You think there was like some sort of a the trust that was breached. Uh, so, like you said, with Rohit Sharma, like maybe that's intentional. A uh, lot of cricketers don't trust uh, journalists because they're yeah. real reporters, like you know, all you guys who do excellent work. But there's also like the tabloid side. So you think there is something that also factored in where the trust is gone? So, or either I just don't care. I mean, is it a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, the trust is gone. I mean, I, I, it would be uh, uh, most uh, remiss of me to blame everything on television uh, reporters. So I won't. I'm just putting it out there. But but, uh, um, but I think that, yeah, I think that e- the equation is gone uh, considerably. And uh, it's worked if you have, uh, if, if say, uh, if, a, if a captain sends the message out into the dressing room that, listen, don't waste your time with reporters. We'll just do our minimum press conferences, which is what India does at ICC events, which is quite an abomination because, you know, the Indian press contingent is the largest and all you get from them are crumbs, you know, from the Indian team. But of course, now, if you say this, you'll have people saying, what? They are not there to serve you. You are dogs. You know, that's what you'll get as a response from social media. Now, why should they Why should they give you dogs bones or whatever it is? So uh, if, if that message goes out from the captain, then it's pretty much... Uh, uh, like the chapter's closed. There's no discussion about it. And Dhoni was very particular that that's the way he wanted to handle it. And that's the way it was handled. Um, so that's what we are. And and uh, so we're saying, fine, this is what it is. And we'll just find a way around it. We'll work around it. And uh, again, coming back to Robert Lipside, he said, you know, if this if access has been shut off, it's great. You can write whatever you want. You can find out all the stuff that they don't want you to know and write it. You know, so it, that's the other side of it. Not that we've done it. But it's it's another way of looking at what the situation is. I was talking to Monga you know, from Silhat Monga. Yeah. He's been yeah. for a very, very good podcast he did with me. And he was also like, you're very forthcoming. And uh, he said something. Uh, and Shastri article will uh, wait. So, you know, you planted another question in my mind. So when I was talking to Monga, uh, he's, uh, there was an Australian tour. We were previewing a test match, I think, uh, earlier in the year, yeah. last year. 
and when Rohit Sharma's injury wasn't clearly communicated. So yeah, I asked yeah, yeah. him, I said, I said, look, in this day and age, why do we need you to spell out what happened? Why can't we just as fans get the information? He said, because the BCCI doesn't care. They have arrived at this position of power by accident because cricket is the only sport in India and the fans yeah. is the biggest currency of the negotiation, negotiation table. So they don't really care about the fans. And I'll plug in now the fan experience article you wrote about how, you know, Aam Admi pays for the tickets and his, the yes. conditions haven't really improved. So I think that kind of ties a larger point. That, uh, you know, if you are like the biggest uh, cricketing body in the world and you rightfully have the financial muscle and uh, the reason you are there is because what Monga said is because of, you know, people like us who wake up at different time zones or, you know, watch cricket. And my joke is you can show highlights of a Tendulkar innings in Kotla and serve samosas and I believe 20,000, 20,000 will show up. If there's nothing going on, it'll beat uh, the rush at Odeon and Plaza and whatever, you know, that's exaggeration. But I think that's how, you know, cricket lives in our psyches. So yeah. first, do you agree with Monga in the larger assessment and then unplug that article and why you wrote that article? Because, you know, this was about the stadiums and the facilities and, you know, basically yeah. the care is lacking. So just unpack yeah, it for the listeners. I agree. Here. I mean, I, I'm not saying uh, that uh, there is no other sport in India because I'm a big fan of multi-sport, Indian multi-sport and Olympic sport and football. And, uh, you know, this whole thing that India is not a sporting culture. I don't agree with it. I think people should read Nation at Play, which is a fantastic book by Rona Joy Sen about the history of Indian sport. And it's a vast look at it. What cricket is, is cricket is a mass popularity sport. It's a mass sport. It has captured, it is 10 times more popular than the second most popular sport. And that in numbers uh, is what we saw when I was working with ESPN. Uh, it is literally 10 times more popular. That doesn't mean, and in India, remember 10 times more popular is great. It's a big number on that, on, on cricket side, but uh, 10 times, 10% of Indian cricket is also a very big number internationally in terms of because our population is so huge. Um, let's say that, the, that, that, that television's audience, uh, cricket audiences, some a figure that I was arrived at was 600 million was the number that was there. So, okay, fine. 600 is exaggeration. Aadha kar do uska 300 million. 10% of 300 million is still 30 million people. So, so that's still a big, that's still a big number now that will watch any other sport. So, I mean, I, that I don't agree that uh, it's the only, it's the only mass sport that has been marketed uh, exceptionally well by accident, pretty much. But that's what uh, he meant. Sorry, I don't yeah. want to cut you off. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what he meant. That it's in it's a league of its own. Like the closest competition yes. in terms yes. of you know ratings is not even there. So yeah, yeah, yeah please yeah, carry yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Finish so, your thought. Yeah. That that uh, I agree with, and I wrote the article because the new stadium was coming up, you know, at uh, Ahmedabad, and and I just said that, and and nothing has changed uh, since the time I first went to see a match, uh, you know, not as a, I didn't pay for the ticket, my uncle paid for the ticket. Uh, nothing has changed in the sense of facilities for the players, and the only thing that has changed it has improved stadiums in some stadiums particularly is the IPL teams that when they run that thing, then they try and make it an enjoyable experience. But otherwise, pretty much uh, the average uh, uh, Indian, uh, to get a ticket to an Indian match is like a uh, exercise in some great, uh, you know, spy thriller kind of that you have to do. Um, and so they, they don't, even fans write to them and say, listen, we are fans, we are a fan body, take care of us because there is no competition. They don't care. They really don't care about what, what happens because they know that the fans will keep coming, you know, and that is the, if the fans turn away and what you'll also see is that uh, in some ODI matches now, it's not houseful, which it used to be, but it doesn't matter because you are, there are people watching on TV. 
uh, there are people watching on streaming platform there are people watching in boston at three o'clock in the morning sakib uh, you know so there's so there's there's all that going on um and it is this lack of caring for the fan or even including the fan so the bcci sits on indian cricket like it is their empire and everyone else and everyone in that empire is a slave this is the slave kingdom of bcci i know it sounds very out but, but literally no it's not the slave kingdom of, of bcci it is the kingdom of bcci and everybody is a slave everybody from office bearers down you know because uh, including public including players including former players including staff including everybody it's it, it, it's that it's not a slave uh, i'm talking nonsense but i'm just saying that everybody is a slave and so who who respects slaves you don't care you know and uh, reporters are 100% lower degree of slaves <laughs> at this point so uh, and that is what is the th- that's the ugly part of how indian cricket uh, functions behind everything i mean you will hear stories about how players haven't got paid their uh, the domestic cricket gross revenue distribution must be a financial scam like we cannot even grasp how complicated it is and how deviously it has been made to work you know we are not even talking about that like and like i said that um the stadium in 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 ahmedabad was being said it's, it's the it's the biggest stadium in the world yeah but what are you going to do for your fans how many they, they tell us there's a lot of parking and there's a lot of this thing hopefully it's a, it's it, they'll they'll have all that that they promise but uh, when we have the world cup in 2023 i want to know um how that i want to know how tickets will be available let's start with the essential point of making tickets available to the public you you don't do it you want it to be like some massive like i said spy operation to get a ticket you know so uh, i agree that way when 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 moga says that they don't care about uh, they don't care about the fans they they genuinely do because they know that the numbers are so big that a dip even in a 5% will make a difference to them what will make a difference is if tv companies don't pay that much money and yeah that that's where you know the dictation is coming from because uh, you know you know guaranteed people will watch on tv and the ratings will go so it's yeah. a very uh, you know it's a function of that relationship we, there's no escaping that bonga again you know like let's stay on that what he said he also told me because you know i've covered some tennis tournaments yeah uh, on, on the media access and i have spoken to a few right. players and you know i was like a kid in the candy store but he told me <laughs> cricket conferences don't work that way because yeah. especially in india like you know the players don't show up until the series is ending and you know you won't really get what you're looking for so the story is not code dependent like it used to be yeah so yeah. what is your take on that how is that uh, like you said gavaskar was even when he was retired he was not giving quotes but how has that changed because i remember in a sidbi uh, podcast you said azruddin once invited to your house to his house yes. i mean <laughs> that's yes. just that's unreal and azar is not even we're not even going back like 40 years ago that's probably what uh, late 90s when he was captain yeah. Yeah, so, so mid mid nineties, let's see. Yeah, but he was captain for sure. Yeah, his 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 second son had just been born. Yeah. His, so, do you see like how other cricketer cricket writers are covering? So, my question is, uh, why has the quote dependency gone? Because we are watching the game, we don't need the quotes, or the players are too busy not giving the quotes. Think, so, what is uh, what is that meeting the eye there? What 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 happens with a lot of the foreign teams? The they uh, they will get you. They'll give you a play. They put up a player every day to talk to their reporters who are traveling. So then that's how the story works. Another uh, the this thing of court dependency is that if no one's going to turn up to talk to you, you just have to write a story. So you write it. You'll find a way to write it. You'll find an angle. You'll find another way to write it. 
and uh, that just that barrier just keeps growing azruddin wasn't the greatest giver of quotes he just wasn't but uh, but if you wanted to get a quote from the indian captain about something even if it was a useless quote you would call him and he'd say yes no thank you okay maybe i don't agree you'll get it you know that's what it was and now you don't get it uh, because uh, they've decided that they want to keep you away and that you, they'll only talk to tv so you say okay fine because you know that in tv they're going to ask some uncomfortable questions i mean you should i, I know i'm bringing you should i cannot tell you the questions saurav ganguly had to answer as captain anything and everything was asked to him and he just had to answer it because there were reporters standing around like on hold uh, of of uh, this thing and and just saying and say, no but you're not answering the question you used, used to speak like that but <laughs> it just it, it changed the moment you got media managers it became polite it became formal it became structured and then it became so structured and nobody turned up and uh, or they'll send you somebody who had nothing to do with the day's play which is what happens sometimes as monga will testify and then you don't want to say that it doesn't say anything particularly interesting you know and then there's also a language problem and there's all that so it's it, it, it starts from the fact that they don't think that they owe you anything like the bcc doesn't think it owes reporters journalists anything anymore you know other than when they want to plant stories and they'll they'll call up a few people whoever is plantable and they will plant it on them otherwise they don't think they owe you anything and then it that kind of relationship is it's just our response is the same to them so okay fine we'll find a way it's not that no one will tell us how wonderful you are and and all the wrong things that you're doing exactly. and all the fantastic yeah it's not that we won't get to know we get to know yeah it's like the yeah cut off yeah. access if you want yeah yeah absolutely so let's do a little plug in for the amit verma's podcast the unseen part of it when visible <laughs> westbury you know broke that story of yes. indian cricket women's team not getting paid i mean you yeah. don't have to be a rocket scientist you knew why the story is coming from outside Yes, <laughs> and she yeah, even said on exactly. a podcast, like I was told to cover that story, and I don't want because the culture in India is you know different. Nobody wants to come out in the open and even get credit for yeah. it. So I'm getting all yeah. the credit. So that yeah. itself, I think, paints a million dollar picture right there. And then, yeah. of course, I don't want to take names, but the BCCI spokesman came and asked her to come on a debate, and yeah, like that. That is just like that. That culture is rubbish. At least own it's up what BCCI. happened. Yeah, it's not BCCI spokesman. It is a journalist. But and he's never, become that. He's you know he's been anointed that title on Twitter. I think by fans that he's just whenever something goes down, he's the guy who's just coming and clearing the air. Of course, he's not hired, or that's not his role. But yeah, uh, let's hey. throw the let's throw the journalistic values out there, and I know which team I'm playing for. So, but again, yeah. you know, like that story. I mean, was that baffling for you? I mean, uh, you know, uh, when that broke, what was the conversation within your circles, if you want to share, like you know, about uh, uh, about Isabel Westbury's story? Yeah. my first reaction is like good for you like fantastic i'm glad you broke the story and nobody else did you know i mean i'm glad you broke the story i'm glad the story got broken basically uh because uh, it is outrageous what's happening and uh, the, the point is it's not that the story would not have broken uh, in india uh, had the reporter not got it but the fact that it it was broken by an english journalist upset somebody but it didn't upset you it, it's a false if something that the women were owed was not given to them and and at, at this point in time we were so upset about what was happening as regards the ipl and uh, you know the fact that there was no compensation given to all these uh, um, players and officials who who did not have matches and whose livelihood depended on cricket uh, to find out that this had happened to your main women's team uh, they it had to be put out in public you know 
I mean, as a as a as a, a reporter who gets a story, you feel, oh, I wish I'd got the story, but I'm glad that the story was broken, um, and I didn't take it as a as an insult to the nation. There are many other things that are happening that are terribly shameful for the nation, but we won't go there at this point. But the yes. but the BCCI not paying its women players was pretty insulting to them to the women players. And so, then generating and, the invoice, you know, like within a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hearing uh, crazy stories about how, how cricketers are being asked to uh, raise invoices for man of the match trophies uh, in Ranji Trophy from 2013, 2014, 2014, 2015 seasons. You know, you're hearing it now, today, which I'll write about it at some point, which I have to. Um, so, and these are the male cricketers. So, you know, it, it's almost like the BCCI is there only to make sure the cream of its crop is looked after. And the cream of the of the domestic structures looked after, which is the IPL, and everything else can go into the boondock. They, they don't care. So, uh, for for that story to be to be written, whoever had to write it, I mean, too bad none of us got it, but too good that it it got out. You know, exactly. Right? That's that's the whole idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So then again, then it's, you know the million dollar question, right? You know, what is BCCI's long term plan? Do you have any visibility for women's cricket? Because uh, I, I heard you on that uh, month and talk on YouTube. You said like in the previous decade they played more matches, and now the last decade they have played less matches. So yeah. with all the facilities and all the money we have, um, why is women's cricket at least it gets a one gets a feeling it's on slash, slightly on a back burner? So is there any transparency of what they're doing to you know bring it to the next level because it looks like the talent is there the team is there interest is there uh, and the money is there so uh, what is again uh, I don't your view think, on that? i don't i don't think there is a plan to bring it forward you know i mean i don't think there's a pl- plan to do anything uh, about it had the, my my theory is that had the women not made those two finals the bcci would have been very happy because no one would have paid any attention to them they would not have cared. And look, but look that they were able to go and draw test matches in England and in Australia. And the amount of, of support and the amount of uh, uh, encouragement that the women's games gets in both those countries and the Indian, uh, you know, the Indian, the, the gap is so huge uh, uh, with reference to the Indians, but the, still the women were able to produce that performance. Imagine the depth of talent that there is. And, and the whole thing is that until they are willing to professionalize how they function, which they are not willing to do, because both the BCCI president and the BCCI secretary are out of term. They should not be in those positions. Um, so, but they don't want to professionalize. The moment you professionalize it, you put the women's game in charge of its, a separate department and the function and it'll do it, hopefully it'll do its own thing. But if two or three people are running, like I, I, I told somebody uh, a couple of days ago, you know, uh, there are seven age groups in Indian cricket. How can three people be in charge of seven age groups? You know, including men's, women's, and then juniors on both sides. How is it going to work? It's not, that's not how organizations function. But it's like you're trying to make this organization function as though this was 1975. You know, uh, It's not. The world has moved on. And if you don't move on, you'll get caught out at every level, at every time. You, you'll get your, your, inadequacy, your inadequacy as an organization will, will come forth. Not the inadequacy of the players on the field. They'll manage. They'll cope. They'll adapt. But your your inadequacy as an organization and your lack of imagination as an organization will be just exposed the whole time, which is which is what it is being. You think there's a market for and women's Banking version of the IPL? Of course, of course, there is a market, and the IPL teams want it. You know, the the football teams here, the I League and the ISL teams, they are being pushed to have women's uh, uh, teams because that is what the FIFA demands, right? So the FIFA's demands or the IOA's demands 
the India, the IOC's demands is that they, they mandate uh, equal, equal representation of uh, women in their, in their, you know, let's make it a gender equal Olympics, et cetera, et cetera. They mandate it. Uh, in, in cricket, the IPL teams want it because they know it's a hit. It can, it'll work and they've seen the players and they know it. But the BCC is going to give them those char time pass matches every time. The supernovas and whatever else they call them. That's not even, it's like four matches. That's not an IPL. Of course, there is a uh, there is a market for it. Of course, there will be things in it. And uh, at the moment, it'll be like women's sport is is top of the mind. People are very happy about it. They they are excited. They want to see how it will go. It's it's sitting duck money to be made, you know. Uh, again, from advertising. But the good thing about it is that the uh, rights now brackets women and men men's matches together, so that if you're going to get men's rights, you'll have to show the women's matches, which is a big relief. Ideally. Uh, if if uh, uh, someone was truly wanted to kill the women's game more than they're trying to do it now, they would take those rights away. And they say, no, we're not going to show those matches. They're not going to show women on TV. The moment you see them on TV, then people want to watch. You may, you create stars, you create, you create people, you create, uh, you know, you create a whole, the ecosystem comes to life in front of you and you see what there is. I mean, they don't have, they don't have a fitness trainer. They don't have, there's like a saga I could go on. Yeah, it's funny because uh, on the same interview, I think you said uh, the men's team has, I think, a staff of at least 12, you know, coaches, logistic manager, throw down people. So it's just a, yeah. the disparities, you know, for everyone to see. Yeah. So, yeah. so that brings me to, to Saurav Ganguly, right? Uh, you also wrote a uh, piece on the conflict and uh, some of my friends, again, yeah. you know, educated English speaking, you know, guys who read the article and people sometimes don't believe, you know, they, they didn't see the conflict. They say, oh, the, he's ambassador for the rival company, it would have been a conf- conflict if he had been ambassador for the company that's sponsoring the kit. And just sometimes people don't get the definition. A conflict doesn't have to be, you know, conflict of interest in the interested party. It could also work. Uh, and, and that's why I think that piece was brilliant. So just elaborate, you know, again, that piece was fascinating. And then I have a follow-up question on, you know, Ganguly. Uh, yeah, you know, so, so a lot of uh, players also, they they thought that their lot would change when Saurav Ganguly became the president because he was a cricketer, he was a player's person, as a captain, he was always uh, fighting for his younger players, younger players, whoever made him look good as a captain, whoever made, he recognized talent and all the rest of it. So that piece, it was almost like you're watching this happening and you say, no, 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 please don't get into this. But he was getting into it. I mean, we all wanted him to be a BCCI boss. How he got there is a different story. Uh, because, you know, he's, he's, he's a very smart guy in that sense that he knows um, how to be in this entire political landscape. He knows how to operate. He knows how to talk. Uh, he knows how to delegate work. Um, uh, but when he started doing all these ads and it was like, you could not believe. I mean, I wrote a piece for Night Watchman, um, which appeared in the June, like this June, June 21 edition, just before the Indian team got there, their, their summer edition about Ganguly, about a lot of these things. And I spoke to him as well about it. And he said, I was very surprised that you wrote that piece. I said, and, and literally we had an argument about this, about this conflict of interest thing again. It's like, it's like cricket cannot understand what conflict of interest means. It's like they think, but this is my job. This is my livelihood. You know, they really get upset. I've had at least two more cricketers of some renown have an argument with me and not Ganguly, have an argument with me about conflict of interest. 
and we are saying are baba it is not we are not being it's not a character uh, uh, assassination when it's said it's like a it's it, it's a hurdle that you have to cross it's like something you have to explain it's like something that can be addressed don't take it like it's your your character is being attacked it's just something that is there but i mean the thing about ganguly is that he is enormously thick skin and he is enormously um, accessible and urbane and charming when it comes to answering questions with the thick skin completely intact and you are the wrong person if you are coming to this conclusion is what his answer was to whatever i said um but i have to give him full marks for even speaking you know so that, no, no, that's that's quite fascinating you know and uh, yeah yeah uh, being thick skin and understanding the system that kind of uh, that's how we also see him that you know he's someone who can handle the job is he doing the job that's a different question Yeah. Uh, I'll try into a question that we discussed on my podcast. We had a panel of you know fans, and this uh, Vijay Arumugam, you know, he's a Sydney-based fan yes. who's become a friend of mine. He yes. told me on the podcast we were discussing captains, and he said, "Look, Dravid had good vision and good ideas, but he just didn't have the the know-how how to work the Indian cricket system, the politics of it, and you know who to please and what not to do." And Ganguly, in that way, was you know pretty much ahead of him. So if you look at you know through the lens of Sharda Ogra, the reporter. Uh, how has the captaincy role you know changed over the years you know from when you started reporting i think kapil was in his last years right uh, or yeah. no azruddin became captain let's even go to 90 so how has the role changed in relation to what you need to do off the field in cricketing matters to I keep think, the sanity of the job and uh, yeah. you know the public perception it's a it's a it's a very uh, demanding job uh, you know uh it's it's a very uh, it's a job that makes you go gray very fast you see dhoni went gray kohli is going gray dravid went gray ganguly went gray so so you can see that happen immediately um but it's a very demanding job but in there are two things i think people don't kind of they forget about is that to be an indian captain what then happens is it it really escalates your market value beyond like you cannot explain right so that is a part of it that's personal happens to the player happens to whatever and every uh, cricketer has their own vision of what they bring to the captaincy uh, how captaincy has changed is that previously you didn't have all these people that were there working with you right you didn't have a batting coach fielding coach uh, throw down guy logistics guy you had even in even in ganguly's time he had coach he had a fitness guy adn he had physiotherapist and i think that was it there were three of them i think yeah this coach this physiotherapist and they had the manager that was there whoever the manager was and they had the data guy the analyst the so there's five of them now it's 12 so those roles of the captains have certainly gone down but what has not gone down what has not changed has been your ability to be a man manager and it's not so much about man managing uh, the politics of the indian system there are politics in every team i mean shane uh, warne and jason gillespie did not get along with steve war did not they had like those big big bust ups or whatever it was they just did not but they were part of a team so they you just have to make it work it's like being in a workplace right so it's not a political thing in that sense that when you're captain you're pretty much the top dog your indian cricket captain you're pretty much the toppest of the top dogs that there are other than at, at one point the bcci president but now it appears maybe not even that uh so that is the role that you have to work and the point is whoever you are you have to be able to then deal uh with players uh going by what makes that player work you know what makes the person work uh, in any organization uh, you will find somebody who can be a bit difficult 
uh, who can be a bit sulky, who can be a bit grumpy, but they're very good at what they do. So you are, it's, it, it's in the same way with, with, with cricket as well. And I think the, the, uh, um, that role of the captain has really not changed. <clears throat> that, and because you are alpha male in, in, a, in a cricket team and cricket such as odd sport when it comes to what the captain's role is, because you are such an alpha male, uh, either you will pull or you will push people along. You pull them along or you push them. Or you will be just so big and so, uh, which is Kohli's captaincy. It's like if there is only Kohli and there is Kohli cap, you know, that kind of thing. Then you uh, India. And, and you, <laughs> how many new Indians are we going to get? I must have been through four already. So uh, you will, uh, um, each being better than the previous one. So you you will, you know, that is what you have to do as a, as a captain. You've got to get people. And I think a prime example of that was how Rahani made the team work in Australia, uh, Rahane Shastri, whatever that was. And uh, that's the change that there is. As far as being the spokesman for your team, uh, yes, you have become that. You have to be this almost statesman-like uh, figure. Um, in that, uh, in the time of uh, Azhar, there was a lot of this sort of little, you know, Andarka whispering, whatever, what was going on, this, that and the other. But Azhar was the captain. There's nobody, there's no denying that. And he appeared to be a powerful captain. The thing is, does the captain have the support of the selectors and of the board? That's the two people. Uh, that's where it, maybe that's that's the difference that there is in India, that you need that rather than, do you have the support of all the players? You know, because once you have the support of the selectors, the board rather, whoever the top dog is of the, of the board, if you have that person's support, then you're all right. And if you don't, then it doesn't matter who you are, you're in trouble. You know, so that has changed a lot. Uh, because even Tendulkar's captaincy, I remember, you will also remember that it was a fraught one and finally he quit uh, and he stepped down because he thought he wasn't getting support that he needed and so on. Um, But it is very much still a job of handling talent and handling personality. That has not changed at all and maybe it's simplified into that, handling talent and handling personality and if you have a coach and he's able to do that, then then all you do is make the bowling changes and and, and, uh, set the field. All right, so that just paves uh, for the Shastri question. Uh, you wrote a great article, Shastri, you know, 1.0. And, and I was a Shastri fan, especially in those years when he yeah. started opening towards the tail end, you know, the Khadus mentality. I remember yeah. Donald saying something in the South African tour, uh, yeah. not lose code, but he said, besides Tendulkar, he was the only guy who was not in a hurry to be a non-striker in when I was bowling. And, right. you know, in my that, I was in 12th grade and we were all, you know, there were a lot of Shastri bashers. I just liked his value. But then yeah. something got lost, right, with the commentary. And even I became a Shastri basher when he became coach and his one-liners. It's just equivalent of, uh, you know, this generation making Amitabh Bachchan famous for Hai. You know, he is not famous for Hai. Amitabh famous for Diwar and Mili and Anand. Hai is just like a loose line in Shahanshah and every mimic does Hai. And, you know, that's not what Amitabh is. And similarly, my point is that's not what Shastri is. So your article brought back a lot of memories of what he was, how he would tune out you know, the high, high chants. He was a limited cricketer, but he had a lot of conviction. So yeah. just uh, what, and, and I also read that you know Shastri pretty well. So one, if you don't mind sharing, how was that article received? And then uh, that article was very needed because, you know, we needed to know what this man had done before. And then uh, I'll just uh, recite a quote from uh, that article, which is uh, very profound. Uh, he said, uh, 
Oh, learning this part. Nothing flattering than having someone read out your own words to you, Sarkip. Thank you so no, much. That was, that was really good. It said, uh, today, Shastri is overall, uh, today Shastri is overall head coach of the Indian team, but he doesn't come to the ground in a blazer and tie. He yeah. doesn't run fielding practice either, but the team's uber boss, undeniably, is Captain Virat Kohli. What would that Shastri of two decades ago make of this one? It's hard to shake the suspicion that he and the cocky young man who played cricket for <laughs> India before him would probably laugh contemptuously yeah. at this avatar and throw a few juicy oats in this direction. End of quote. <laughs> so this is brilliant. Again, you know, I would plug in all these articles. I'm sure people have read it, but it's good to reread those because I read those again this week. So just, uh, uh, again, why you arrived at this article? What was about Shastri's uh, coaching that because, was bothering you? And then again, you... He, what happened is he became unrecognizable. You know, he became unrecognizable from the Shastri that that you knew when I was growing up. I knew when I was growing up. Knew as in what, whatever equation relation you had with him at the time as player and as as a sort of commentator at one point. He looked like some other person, like some imposter, like he had been kidnapped or something like that. You know, someone else. And I think what happened with him is to be again. I keep saying to be fair. After having called them names and done whatever, not. Uh, he 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 called me up after that article was written and he laughed about it and he said that his friends had called him up and said read it you know <laughs> so so, so uh, that that has that has gone quite well I'm still trying to get an interview with him one of these days for uh, an organization who I will not name now um, and and uh, uh, you know so so that ended well I have to say um, in a sense that maybe there was a bit of truth in it that he saw and he spotted I won't exactly tell you what he said because it's not fair that because it was a private conversation but he did call up and uh, he, he he calls me Durga for some reason he called me I know why he called me he called me Durga it's like that's his name for me he, he never addressed me by my name he said Durga so he laughed about it and he's that kind of a person that you can actually uh, which is you won't find that. I mean, I don't know whether that will still exist in this age that you'll be able to uh, get to know somebody. A journalist will have that kind of an equation that you can say pretty mean stuff about somebody and they'll still laugh. And they'll still say, okay, you know, whatever. So th- the whole point is that you it's like you don't recognize that person. And I had a, I remember having a conversation with someone and said, listen, I don't even think that old Shastri was true. I said, no, I'm telling you he was true because I grew up alongside that old Shastri. I grew up as a journalist alongside him. Whenever you need a quote, you called him. And you said, uh, hello, Ravi, this is so-and-so. Habol, he used to say. <laughs> he talk like that. So, so um, it was him. He did stand up for people. He did stand up for things. He did challenge the world. But then I suppose when uh, he, he it came to the time that it became better for him to be part of the board and to be part of the establishment, that with Jagmohan Damia was very clever because he's the guy who I think kind of changed that whole uh, uh, dynamic that Chatri had. And that he's he's not gone back he's not gone back to his old self again you know. But well, again, thanks for humanizing him again. I mean, I've forgotten that, and that was just good. And you know, like the beauty of it is, you know, the reader is reading with its own vantage point. So I lived that era of Shastri as a fan. So I that, that was that that article was God sent, you know, and it also made me realize, okay, I bash him sometimes for the coach he's become or the one liners he gives, but that's how he's you know. It, you know, evolved over the years and maybe that's how he's doing his job and the team is effective. So who am I? We all change, you know. And what they always say about him or they did say about him is that his greatest thing is that he can try and it's like he's so good with convincing people that you can do anything you want. Boss, you can do anything you want. You are a king, you can walk on water, you are God, like that. You know, he's very good at... Uh. That's I still it. think he's the best captain we never had. I think I'm a big fan Pretty of Azhar, but I think it was his turn yeah. and, you know, we all know what yeah. happened there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they said. Who knows? It's like Shane Warne. You never know, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
Sorry, a couple more questions. I'll let you go. Promise. This has been like absolutely fun. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just I can't wait to edit this and send it out today. So, so again, uh, you know, there are a lot of talking points in Indian cricket. You know, 83 World Cup, 85. You know, champion of champion yeah. series, and you know, of course, the Tendulkar years. I wanted to ask you about a tour when England came to India in '93. Yeah. Uh, that you know that series yeah. to me. I was in the 12th grade. I had mentioned we were getting yeah. ready for our exams. and uh, azhar was you know i think made a conditional captain for one test and one one day then he had that magical century at the eden gardens and like never that. looked back yeah. Yeah. i felt like at least in my ecosystem in all our friends we were dreaming sleeping imagining cricket i thought cricket just took over it was already cricket frenzy i just mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. that tour being something else and also sachin tendulkar had played 21 tests up till that point and he had only yeah. played one test in india so there was like an extended overseas cycle since the tour of pakistan and tendulkar plays the first full fledged series against england in 93 mm-hmm. so do you have similar recollections from the vantage point and media that that series yeah. changed everything in terms of I, popularity i mean uh, what that series certainly did is that we had got hammered in australia and we come back from there and i think that it start, uh, what it did is I, i i remember that azhar innings very very clearly very clearly because i it was the first big test match i had covered in eden gardens it was like absolutely brilliant uh, experience and that is eden gardens with 100000 people not this you know sitting on those benches on those uh, those basically those uh, steps um and i, I mean, it's interesting that you said what it changed it from that point of view because i think from my vantage point what changed it was 83 then 85 and uh, then what changed it in my mind was this tendulkar opening the innings in one day cricket is what then just exploded so everyone says uh, at that time because i mean maybe i'm looking at it from two objective a point of view because we wrote articles about it we studied that period we talked to people we were there we were growing up as as journalists that uh, 96 Uh, sorry that tendulkar's batting uh, opening the innings for the first time changed him his definition of who he was in terms of what he could do in cricket uh, this was in new zealand and it also changed the market because he then got signed up by mark mascarinas and then and then as as one of the uh, other players said to me is that not only did his value as a player go up ours went up too it kind of if his went up 10 times ours went up 3 times that kind of thing that is and also maybe what you're also seeing uh, sakib coincides with the time that uh, that series if i'm not wrong maybe a little bit before it 6 8 months before it, is the first time television cricket uh, cricket was televised differently in india exactly televised in this slick professional manner that you didn't see before you know you had all these commentators you had these multiple cameras you're all so you are looking at it and consuming it in a completely different way which is what drew you to it even more um Yeah, and that's also the first series shot the solid for interruption where i think yeah. the white uniform had a sponsorship logo if i'm not mistaken at home he correct see i i never paid attention to that but yeah wills was it was it wills i think so yeah i think i'll yeah. probably take in the uh, imagine cigarette company yeah yeah bells in and edges and all the advertising so correct and it's interesting that you say it that it was tenuka series a whole like full long home series after so many matches like bumrah played so many matches overseas and then he then he came and played in india um and and it, it was this sort of the explosive tendulkar that became the that became this this new manifestation of that also was new india by the way team of the 90s rajendungar put bless him called it right so uh, and i think i think it's television that changed it and and the way sort of say young people say 7 8 10 year olds you were in 12th grade you said right so 
uh, people younger than you coming to cricket for the first time were able to look at sport in a way that we've not seen it before on our television screens. That was a massive, massive change. And and also what it kick-started was this whole period of domination at home on these turning wickets. You know, it became Vadekar's thing and the three spinners and Kumle and that whole uh, the whole atmosphere of playing cricket at home. Um, and then we are dominant and we are excellent and we are fantastic and we can uh, we cannot be beaten at home type of um, narrative that it kind of spun around uh, as well. That also uh, that series marked the start of it. And I remember that Azruddin innings and how it was completely different to what he was in Australia. And and he said, "See, we knew he was a brilliant cricketer, and this is what it is." And again, uh, we were all like basically fans only as twenty-two year old journalists or twenty-three year old journalists or whatever. You were. So it was that as well. And uh, I don't know whether you know this, but every that the England team traveled by train from Katak to Calcutta. No, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, the travel by train. We were on the same train. Me, Robin Chatterjee, and I think... Oh, what, is it? what is his name? Chakko. No, 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 no. no not Chakko. Another Bengali reporter. Um, Sabya Sachi. Sabya Sachi. No, no. Sabya Sachi is the wrong name. I'm getting the thing of the designer. Uh, we traveled sleeping on the floor of the second class compartment on that same train. Uh, so they came in fine style in AC, whatever, whatever. We were on the same train. We just jumped on the thing and we and, and, and we came there. So that it was almost like a um, you know passing of an era type of a thing that happened. That that television change, the public perception of television change. I think pretty much by that time, every other sport, barring tennis, the underpace, uh, had kind of got into the background. You know, there was just Vishwanathan Anand, Tachin Tendulkar. And uh, Leander Pace, that are our new heroes, those three guys, you know, the three teenagers. They were teenagers when they first came into, into their sport and so on. So I think, yeah, I, I remember that. It's quite interesting that you remember the logo. I remember television particularly. I I, I did a story on that, uh, I think TWI was coming. I remember going and seeing the producers and how they work. And Yeah. That's funny. I mean, uh, I just wanted to ask you that because, you know, uh, th- those were the last two years of, you know, my stay in India. I left the country okay. in 95. And okay. I really remember, like, you know, it just had escalated to a different level. We even saw yeah. a practice of Tendulkar at the Kotla because one of my good friends, his mama was, I think, playing for the railways, Praveen Bhatnagar. So he knew uh, Vijay Yadav. So we got into the Indian team's uh, practice. And we saw Tendulkar from like 20 feet and his immense concentration. Too bad we didn't have iPhones, you know. I would have saved that forever. So we were all like, you know, just boys yeah. in a, like, you know, you know, temple of cricket and watching Tendulkar from that far. And yeah, that's why oh. I wanted to ask you that. Mm-hmm. So a couple more and I'll let you go promise. So uh, mm-hmm. let's about, uh, you know, the Imran Khan interview. I'm not going to say what you remember of that. But uh, <laughs> o- 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 over the years, right, when the young Sharda, you know, transformed into a journalist and you met so many of the yeah. heroes and so many of the icons like Tendulkar, Gavaskar, you spoke to all of them. So if yeah. a young podcaster, a young interviewer is listening. <laughs> okay. So if a young young hopeful is listener who wants to mimic this uh, kind of a career and just you know follow your foot you know footsteps, when and this is also for me because uh, when do you know uh, when you get comfortable with a guest unless there's a script when do you know when you can ask somewhat of an out of the box question because I do it with my guests I have like a set of questions if a guest mm-hmm. is not worried about time in my podcast no yeah. surprises but I plug in a question with I say okay now I think I don't know them but I can ask this question so when do you know and basically, when did your comfort level grow in the job when you could ask, say, a Shastri or, you know, whoever you were talking to, a Kruzner I mean, you know, or, you know? Yeah, at that time, the thing about Shastri was that you could, at that time, you could ask players anything. 
that was the thing you could ask no, i meant in a, in a in a feature if you yeah. have unlimited access okay uh what happens is that you you write your questions out and pretty much what you're doing is you write your questions out in a way and you have a you have to be very careful about sequence because there is a trick question that's there that you know you have to ask and you kill yourself if you don't ask it but make sure you put it there after at some point when the guest makes a joke when he laughs when he relaxes says something funny about uh, cricket or reporters or you know whatever and that's when you can you think you can you can possibly do it uh, possibly i'm thinking when could i do it at some point i'm just thinking when the last time i did it i'm just trying to remember when it was because it's usually a tough question you don't want someone to ask and all that or you reach the point to say i'm sorry i really have to ask you this question because i'll not be doing my job and they say acha theek hai you know that <laughs> that kind of yeah but you have to basically you have to ask a question at the point where you think that if you get thrown out of the room at that stage or the interview ends there <clears throat> you still have got a good interview that's the first thing make sure that you get enough material and then you ask the question yeah i just want to do a plug in for my dad because you know who's yeah. always been an inspiration when he was i was telling you in urdu service he right. used to record these radio interviews with players and yeah. Pakistan fan following was huge, so they. I think yeah. met Javed Miadad, who was oh. having a who was having a drink, you know. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah. So again, I don't think Javed will be listening to this. So my dad t- told him, you know, if you can just you know dress up properly, and he said, "Ab to radio wale hain, photo thodi lenge." And I said, "No, we'll also take a picture, and the transcript goes to some Urdu magazines that also make their way to Pakistan." So oh. then he put on he put on a gown. So you know, so I think so, that story was always you know. What a superb story! <laughs> I'm just using it because you are here. I just felt comfortable. You are the story, but I want to plug in. No, no, that's a great story. My father that's as well. Story. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think let's uh, uh, let's wrap this up. So there's a loaded question. Some yeah. of my closest friends and I discussed with this. You know, my issues with BCCI and this management and the muscle, and you know, we discussed it. And these guys said, "Look, I understand where you're coming from, and I'm probably speaking for a lot of others who feel this way." the yeah. theme is there but he said we try to compartmentalize life is you know too complex cricket is escape i enjoy the cover drive i enjoy the outswinger i enjoy the memory yeah. and my answer is true i wish i can do that but in 80s and 90s it was easy when we didn't have this much access it's like yeah. i've seen what happens behind that door from a limited vantage point yeah so what do you tell a fan like how do you compartmentalize you know like some of the stuff that we discuss is still mm. bat and ball or should it be bat and ball because a 45 year old sakib doesn't think like an 18 year old guy who worshiped tendulkar so yeah. and this is a broader question i put my name out there but i think a lot of people see that so what does uh, sharda ogra the fan and the reporter how do you address this if you were speaking you know uh, mm. people, about people who, so, who worry about how things are done these days yeah so you're saying that how do you retain your love for the sport or your favorite yeah, sometimes you know like uh, the bad behavior gets in the way yeah how you root for the I mean, team because i can't look the other way correct correct no you 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 have to uh you have to so like it's the all blacks thing right it's the same thing the all blacks the indian cricket team you they are your you know someone you should ask me in the 80s who are your fa- which is your favorite team and i would say oh who's who's your favorite cricketer i would say all of the indian team it was like that because i wanted the indian team to win so this was i was a 15 16 17 years old so it's the same thing that you have the idea of the indian team and the indian team stands for something and uh, if that goes uh, what do they stand for um so i i assume till you are about 25 you will basically maaf karo than anything then as you grow up and as you grow older you have uh, you don't have to have children yourself you have to have friends who have children and you see them behaving badly and then your friends tell you please yaar my children cannot see this they cannot behave like this and then you say acha theek hai then you understand you understand that's what that's what makes for me personally that's what makes your boundaries 
Uh, I used to find it very funny when people abused each other. I wanted to, I wanted to know what they had said, what it was, should we write it, whatever, whatever. And then after that, you don't want them talking like that because kids are watching. Not your kids, your friends' kids, somebody, some other children, your brother's daughter, your cousin, sisters, whoever. So uh, it's that. I mean, it'll take time for you to, for your fandom to mature, I think, also. You have to be patient with it and say, okay, I can be a bit of an idiot fan till I'm this age, but I cannot be 45 years old and thinking the same way. That's a bit disappointing, you know. So if you've seen life, if you've grown up, if you held a job, paid a mortgage, done all this, then you cannot uh, accept or condone idiot behavior on the field. No, and you also, know, you can't take BCCI out of, sorry, yeah. but uh, you can't take BCCI out of Indian team. You know, that's become like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, uh, you can't. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the sad thing uh, that is there uh, in Indian cricket now is that nobody will stand up and challenge authority. I was just reading the manuscript of an autobiography of an Indian badminton player, Sanjay Sharma. How much he fought with people. How much he challenged authority for himself, for other players, for whatever. So you just want someone in cricket to do that, you know, for, for, for all the things that are wrong at this point in time. Like, you know, the IPL thing when it happened and you're saying, where are the players talking about this? Why are the players, you know, the players themselves must have had people that were ill, which they told you what they did. Uh, Ashwin left. So you would want there to be a little, what you feel bad about is that there is no original, not original, there is no independent voice in Indian cricket in that sense, inside the inside the ecosystem, I suppose, because they can't be, you know, like you're saying, everyone has got whatever. That's the disappointing thing. Uh, and uh, the good thing always about the Indian team is that you don't hear too many crazy stories about them. You don't hear any stories about um, massive drunken fights or whatever. You don't hear that kind of stuff. They're generally, they're kind of well-behaved and... Uh, they're not ugly Indians yet. You don't want them to be ugly Indians. If the BCCI are the ugly Indians of, of international cricket, they're the board. They can push their weight around. We can criticize them. You don't want that playing itself out on the field in any way is 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 what uh, is what my thing is. And and the other great, I mean, the I have to always bring in a Tendulkar story. And I keep saying, no, I'm not a Tendulkar fan, but I keep bringing in a story about him. No, please, please do. <laughs> no matter he, who he played with, he always, when I've seen him at first class games, he's always talking to cricketers like who come to him for this. They're always like talking, 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 sharing, 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 sharing information. He's telling them things. They're, they're like lighting up. They're telling him things. He's laughing. You know, so that uh, uh, sort of that sense that you would want to retain that sort of sharing uh, across across uh, cricket of all of all types of cricketers, you know, young, old. You want that to still continue. You wanted... Um, which is what Lalit Modi said in, in an interview that I did with him about this IPL stuff. He said, why has nobody in this Indian team signed a, I want all of them to sign a check of $100,000. Who in this team cannot sign a $100,000 check and give it for some charity, for some cause or something? You know, so that that's the kind of thing that you would want there to be a little bit of that, a little bit. Because the country is going through such tough times, people are really struggling because of COVID, never mind anything else. You know, that people don't have money in their hands and you you want there to be that kind of connect with, maybe they're doing it, maybe we don't know, maybe they haven't publicized it. But during that second wave, it was particularly painful to watch the, to, to painful to hear the silence almost, you know. No, I think that's a very thoughtful response and it gives me more food for thought when I edit this and listen to it again. Thank you very much. I kept you, what, 26 minutes over. Uh, you yeah, know, uh, I, I was hoping this conversation is, you know, take its own form and I enjoyed it thoroughly and hopefully the listeners will do. 
and uh, hopefully uh, you know the door is open we can request you another time you know next year whenever you are free hopefully uh, you enjoyed it too absolutely sakeb i really enjoyed it i uh, thanks so much for 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 the invitation to come and talk uh, i love the title of your uh, i love the title of your podcast uh, with an accent yeah <laughs> it was yeah me and my friend anand started tennis with an accent and we were we didn't know why we're doing this and we thought we are like uh, fanboys but uh, unlike journalists we can say whatever so accent was opinion but then i partnered with matt zemek who's a writer in seattle then tennis with an accent became different accents and today you have made my cricket with an accent which is a cousin a much richer accent this was much much needed i mean this was this was this was badass i mean thank you for like trusting a total stranger on this platform and you know speaking your mind no this 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 again uh, is very encouraging because you know if any young hopeful podcasters listening i don't think i'm a role model but i think the trust you showed to the small podcast today i think that's what these conversations are uh, a lot of time people only i'm happy to talk happy and it's a big thank you to the likes of sid v and uh, prem panaker and everyone who's graced my podcast and you know like uh, i think the bridge was paid part, yeah we are all part of a, the conversation about indian cricket we all love it we all share, we all share parts of it you know the good parts the bad parts we share all parts of it so i'm so happy to be here